From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more, now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunch of Andy and Corey Clark. It is Wake Up War Champ, presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Coming up on today's show, we got Irish Ophel for 20 minutes talking about all the important adult stuff in collegiate athletics, NIL, revenue, and basketball. Nice bounce back. Wake Up War Champ, presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, Tallahassee, Florida, cptallybar.com. Today's lunch special, Mondays. Build your own burger, but, like, you don't actually build it. They'll do it for you. You just pick what you want, and they'll do it for you. So some people are like, do you, do you actually make the burger? Like, no, man, they got you covered. It's a corner pocket bar and grill. That's what they do. CPTallyBar.com. $8.99, the lunch special, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Straight fries, curly fries, tater tots, side salad, freshly cooked chips, everything. Best stuff to go with your burger. Over the corner pocket bar and grill. Warchant.com, Ultimate Sevens Sports Source. Thumbs up. Five-star rating and review. Subscribe. Subscribe, though, everybody. Subscribe. Corey's here, everybody. What up, Corey? What's up, man? How are you doing? You doing okay? Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, a little, little good house. weekend. You have yeah. a good weekend. Yeah, a little house project weekend. So okay. uh, kept me busy. Uh, and the Pro Bowl was actually surprisingly entertaining. I thought, or maybe it was because it was on in the background as I was doing stuff around the house. So I wasn't oh. totally dialed in. But when I would look at it, it seemed like everybody was having fun. It was competitive. Yeah, I didn't watch any of it. I didn't know that the Pro Bowl was going on. Um, I, I mean, I knew it was on Sunday. I just didn't know when, uh, what channel, uh, who was even playing in it, what, how, what the game was going to be like. Like, I assume it was flag football. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so, but it's cool that you enjoyed it, man. Congrats. That's good. It's something to do on a Sunday. You know, it's, it's not, it's not serious. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, later this week, uh, from the Pro Bowl, we'll go to the Super Bowl. Later this week on the show, probably tomorrow's show, we're going to have Derek Nottie on. We got Derek mm. Nottie, everybody. Chiefs Kingdom, stand up. So uh, that'll be a nice little interview to get you perhaps ready for the Super Bowl or at least just, you know, catch up with an old Noel. Good kid. Good dude. We yeah. should go out and just at least get some Kansas City barbecue after talking to him, I feel like. Or that's my That was my main takeaway. The, the Kansas City barbecue. Yeah, he also is going to say uh, he says something that Florida State fans might find controversial mm. Mm. Um, about the difference maybe between Kansas City and, uh, and, and Doak. Okay. But, uh, yeah, very good ambassador for the university and for the program. Before we get to the, the meat and potatoes of today's show, Corey, I, I think something happened here on Warchant.com a few weeks back that somebody said that they bumped into Ira at the grocery store, and Ira was awesome. Great guy. Mm. Took all of his questions, and that's I saw it. And I'm like, all right, whatever, cool. Like I just saw that and uh, checked out of it. I think it might have gone on for a little bit. Um, and then like a week later, a few days later, somebody started a thread on the tribal council saying that they bumped into me outside of Zaxby's and I ignored them and blew them off, which I did not. Um, I guess that was like the joke about it, because I guess maybe Ira's thread like went somewhat viral on our forums. Mm. And then last week, towards the end of last week, there was a thread started that says Corey Clark almost got me. Mr. Clark, I've never met you before. With that being said, I'm the big ugly guy who was flagging the intersection at Buck Lake and Pedrick this afternoon that you about ran over. 
I have wanted to meet you before, but not on the hood of your vehicle. And on your behalf, I kind of would have been at fault, LOL. Does any of this, was that true? Because, like, I don't know Look, what's going on right now. I don't remember almost hitting a flag person, but yes, I, 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 I'm out that way a good bit. Uh, that would be weird to just make that up. Um, so, yeah, there must have been a time where I almost hit uh, the flag guy. Uh, that was because uh, you know there there's near a street near my uh road where I live there that's it's one lane for I don't know the next week who knows week month year but yeah so they they have to do the thing where they have the stop on one end and the slow on the other to let people drive around and uh yeah I try to take out as many flag guys as I can um, I haven't gotten any in Florida though so you would have been the first buddy I I just I just missed you but I I don't remember coming close enough to hit someone. Um, but I, who knows? I could have, I could have, I don't, I don't really pay attention when I drive. Very surprised at this thread over on the wordchant.com tribal council, which again, you can only access if you're a subscriber, subscribe and you get access all the way, premium access, full access all the way from this moment where you sign up until September 1st for only $29.99. Uh, started by Yeti Knoll, 1484. How mad on a scale of one to 10 would you be if Florida state were to go nine and four in 2023? He says, got to be honest, solid seven or eight. There haven't been a lot of tens in the thread. Um, I would, I'd be pretty irate. I know irate's a really strong word. It is. It's too strong. Um, no, I wouldn't be mad. I'd be really disappointed, though, which is yeah. even worse than mad. Right? Like when your parents, like, you know, I'm not mad at you. I'm just disappointed. Like, that's even worse, right? Like, I would be extremely, I'd be disappointed scale of ten if they only won nine games. Nine and four? Ooh. I mean, you're just coming from a place, though. I think, again, it's just it's all it's how our brains work. It's how our psyches work. Yes, I think you'd be disappointed in the moment um, or those four moments for sure. But then when you're looking back at it at this time, the next year in February of 2024, and you're like, OK, well, the team that I covers won 19 games the last two years after winning 19 games over a five year span. Things are looking OK. And I think that the, the anger would would tamper down. Now, you would have real questions about what's this guy's ceiling what's this program's ceiling but you still i mean a nine and four season after the seasons we've been through aslan I, but we it's that's in the past this is florida state this is that I wasn't know, the new still, normal it's so it's not like look at that schedule imagine losing the four teams on that schedule i guess three because four you know that's 13 games you're talking about a bowl game yeah probably losing yeah. to florida and remember you mentioned like if we lose if, if they lost oklahoma you know, wouldn't have changed the overall trajectory of this program, but it would have been a little bit of a downer. I guess maybe sure. the the portal, uh, you know, polls would have helped quell any kind of disappointment. And it is just a bowl game, but yeah, man, I I would be pretty upset. But it, you know, good good on the board, man. Most people on the board seem to be kind of more along your lines, Corey. Like a lot of a lot of sixes, a lot of fives. Yeah, uh, but I'm like nine, ten. Okay. All right. Well, it's, it's just how we see the world. I just, again, 2020, I'm still not over that. It's still with me. Jacksonville State is still with me. Mm. And I know we got to move on at some point, yeah. but uh, being a nine win team two years after Jacksonville State, 19 wins in two years, uh, you, you're okay. You're, you're, you, we are now in the throes of covering a top 15 program okay. as opposed to one off. And then back to six wins or something. Like if they're still nine wins, that's a top twenty, top fifteen team. If they're nine and three to finish the regular season, it's a top fifteen team. So you're, you're you're that's a that's a decent season. Not the expectations you have because of who all is coming back, but you know that's not a 
that's not a bad that's not a bad year. Now eight and four though, eight and four, and then they win the bowl game. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, if you get to nine wins either way. I'm not ecstatic. I'm not doing cartwheels. I'm not gonna sit here and say this guy is gonna take you to the promised land, but I'm not going to be uh bummed for the next seven months either. Because buddy, what? It's just some of that is always with me. Some of that is always, it's never Heisman going away. Guy. We got a Heisman candidate, quarterback, man. Uh, We're going to be all right. Nine per, wins? Uh, the, my perspective has forever changed. The okay. last five years has forever changed my perspective on Florida State football. Okay. I did not think it could reach those depths. It did. So now that it gets back to uh, the blue skies and sunshine, even if there's some clouds in there, I appreciate it over the monsoon of despair that we went through for five years. Speaking of uh, precipitous climates, mm. what's going go, on in Miami? Yeah. Uh, you know, Mario fires his offensive coordinator like in a really weird time in the calendar, and now his defensive coordinator leaves him. Uh, two, which I thought were very splashy hires last year. Uh, yeah. I, I thought Josh Gaddis. I'm like, all right, he's good. Not jo- was it Josh? Yeah, Josh Gaddis. Um, what was the Gaddis kid? No, we had a Josh Griffiths is who we Griffiths. Had. Come on, yeah, man. Get sorry. it right. Well, you know. Shout out respect. Um, and then Kevin Steele clearly could not stop the Florida State offense. But I guess Nick, Nick Saban's got faith in him. Um, they're in a they're in a bad monsoon. They're never coming back, I don't think, man. I don't know, who's he going to hire at this point? I'm enjoying it. I don't think they're enjoying it down there, though. Right. Uh, yeah, man, who knows? But that was it, – it also, when it happened, like – you know, you're losing these guys kind of late in the deal, um, really late. Now, I guess you didn't lose the the OC. You fired them, but um, it's uh, it's not great when after one year you're already replacing both coordinators. Now, it could work out. Things could be great. They could really work out for him, but uh, um, that I, I would doubt it just because the last 20 years has taught us that Miami is perpetually going to struggle, it would uh, it would seem, to be relevant again, like at the at – the, Relevant at the scale they were relevant in the 90s. It seems very hard to think that's ever coming back. Maybe it does under Cristobal, but after one year, you're already having to fire an OC, and now you have to go hire another DC because he left for Alabama. Not great. I, if you're an Alabama fan, are you thinking this is Saban's Belichick, Patricia, Joe Judge co-offensive coordinator decision almost? Like, that was not a good defense. And they had some decent uh, players. No, man. I, no, I, I think if you're an Alabama fan, you, you've got plenty of history to to trust what your, your head coach's assistant decisions. And it's not like Kevin Steele can't coach football. So all Alabama coach, all Alabama fans are thinking, okay, we're going to give him a lot better uh, material to work with. You know, it just, I mean, it's, it's just where coaches go, man. It's just a really good play. Like, the, Notre Dame just lost their OC to Alabama. Um, he's going to have a lot more fun calling plays with those guys than he did at Notre Dame. And Notre Dame was a, a decent team, I guess. But n- now you're going to be at Alabama where you're coaching first-round picks everywhere. And so is Kevin Steele. So all of a sudden, they're going to be really, really good coaches, I would think. You had Bill O'Brien as your OC, Pete Golings as your DC, and now you've got Tommy Reese and Kevin Steele. Yeah. that's. But I think that, it, look, if, it's ever, if the wheels are ever going to come off, now seems like the time. Yeah. Saban's getting older. He's making hires that certainly don't seem like they're infallible. But, man, how many assistants has he hired over the years? It always works out. It just always works out. It is not like uh, the Bobby Bowden years where he loses his OC to Georgia and all of a sudden the world implodes. (laughs) Like like Nick Saban was able to keep his world from uh, uh, coming, uh, you know, 
grinding to a halt with all these with all these hires he's had to make over the years. I bet he's I bet he's changed coordinators twenty times. Jeez, yeah, Since he's like, been there, yeah, like fifteen times. Yeah, McIlwain, Nussmeyer, you know, Lane, Bill O'Brien, uh, Sarkeesian, right? The guy that's a Buffalo or the Giants head coach. What's his name yeah. again? The guy that's going to win NFL coach Dayball. of the year, maybe Dayball, right? Yeah, Brian Dayball, and Brian Dayball was a like a failure at the NFL level, like horrible yeah. offensive coordinator. Yeah, he's and then that's just offense, and then yeah, defense. You're you're talking about all sorts of guys. So Tosh yeah. Lapoe and you know Pete Golding and. Cetera, he did have Kirby, Kirby for yeah, a while. Kirby, Kirby, yeah. Yeah. Kirby was the guy he had for, I don't know, seven years, eight yeah. years, whatever it was. But other than that, it is always fluctuating, and there's always up upheaval in that in that program, and it just it has never, ever mattered. Yes, I felt like Kirby was his lieutenant. Like, he needed somebody to always keep him grounded. Kind of, Not that, you know, he's looking up to Kirby, but, like, maybe Kirby was somebody who had been in enough foxholes with him to, like, earn his respect. He doesn't have that. Like, there is no real continuity there. But anyhow, that's that's for the Alabama podcast. Right, that's uh, right. That's wake up, Todd. Yeah. Anyhow, let's uh, let's talk to Ira Schofel. A lot of important stuff going on in the world of college athletics. He knows best. Let's go to Ira right now. Managing editor, Warchant.com. Ira Schofel joining us here on Wake Up Warchant. Will you? Will I be your co-host or your moderator for the for the Monday Smash later today, Ira? Or is it Jeff's turn to be on? I don't even know what's going on. He's got a big wheel of talent to roll spin. And whoever uh, whoever hits lose a turn. Has to uh, come on the pod with me. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know who it's well going to be. Well said. All right, well, 7 o'clock, Monday Smash. It'll be me and somebody else. What a promo. That was like a WWE <laughs> promo. You guys ripped that. That was great. <laughs> Let me tell you something. <laughs> um, all right, so Ira was the uh, the author of uh, two, I thought, really important things that were reported over on Warchant.com last week uh, towards the end of things before uh, we wrapped uh, or after we wrap things here on the podcast. But uh, let's start, I guess, with the revenue numbers, Ira. It sounds cool, right? $10 million uh, budget surplus for Florida State Athletics. Um, I looked up Georgia and Alabama, and I don't know if that's fair or not. Probably not fair because the conference they're in, they get a lot of money, a lot more money. So, for example, I think uh, the numbers that we had in our story said that they got something close to $30 million in, in television revenue, Florida State. Uh, for this report that came out. Meanwhile, SEC teams are getting $55 million. It's 25 Quick math, everybody. Uh, but but Georgia had a, a number out there, and Corey, I'm sure you're listening to this as well, obviously. Uh, Georgia reported like a $40 million surplus. This was from last year, though. But they quickly were like, hey, that's not the true number. Uh, they didn't factor in $17 million in ongoing projects, $5 million that their athletic association gives to the school. $3 million in maintenance, $6 million they put in reserve. So they said they had a, a true budget surplus of close to $5 million, Ira, Georgia. So are we doubling them up or do we do funny math too, do you think? Everybody does funny math. I mean, the, the, here, here's the deal. And this is like, there was a period of time where I kind of didn't really like reporting this story because it's just, it's not, it's not real life. And and I'll explain why in a second, but the, what Georgia was saying is, is the same thing I'm going to say. Um, but what's happened is, you know, USA Today several years ago started doing this every year where they report every school's, you know, athletic budget surplus or deficit. And so all the newspapers and all the media outlets started reporting it, too. And so now we report it. But what does it really mean? I mean, I think from a grand, from a big picture standpoint, if you have a surplus, that's better than having a deficit. And if you remember, I don't know if you guys remember this or not. Uh, probably, I don't know, 10 years ago or so when Randy Spetman was the AD, 10 to 15 years ago, 
they had a they had a deficit of uh, several million dollars. And Randy Spetman made that comment publicly that yeah, we're running a deficit, and people lost their minds. And you know, Randy had to like you know go backwards and kind of explain it because basically what happens is if you have a deficit in these numbers, all that really happens is the boosters just give you more money to cover whatever you got to cover. So it's not like you know, you're you're panhandling or or you've got to go hold a car wash or or, you, or your checks are going to bounce. They're going to figure out a way to make the numbers right. And it's kind of the same thing with a surplus. It's just, for example, you know, the the, the because the the way the NCAA requests these numbers, they every school doesn't do the accounting the same way. So a lot of times the numbers are not apples to apples. And and so, for example, it, you know, the year that Willie Taggart got fired. Florida State took like a twenty million dollar hit in that one year. So they that year they had like a twenty four million dollar deficit, even though they weren't really paying all that money over in that one year. They were paying it over several years, but that money showed up in that year. It didn't show up in this year. So there's things like that all the time where the 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 buckets don't always add up. And and but I guess at the end of the day, the only real you know value to it is that it lets you know that you're, you're bringing in more money than you're spending in that particular year. But, you know, as, as Georgia said, and I think Florida state people would say the same thing. It's not always a real accurate reflection of, of where things are. By the way, last payment to Willie Taggart, January 24, correct? Incorrect. I think that's true. Yeah, I think that's true. And uh, I think, I can't remember the exact number. I think he's getting like a 250 K a month, something somewhere in that ballpark, mm. which is, which is is uh, makes you feel good about things, but but yeah, I mean that's a that's one of those things, and um, you know a lot of times there'll be things like um, if they're if they say like one year I think maybe they renovated the the coaches' offices or something like that. Well, that number may show up in this factor or in this report, but that doesn't mean they really lost money that year. They just made an investment in something. So again, it's kind of tricky. Um, you know, I don't know what it all means. It's like, other than like we said, it's better to be in the positive than the negative in it. And if there are situations where you do have more money, um, you know, it could be applied to some areas. The The bigger issue is if you have a deficit, now your boosters have to come up with some money to cover those expenses. And that's, that's probably a bigger story. If it's a surplus, that money's getting spent somewhere. You know, one good example of the money, like when you have a surplus, something you could do is something that, you know, Florida State did last year. Uh, they actually had an $8 million surplus coming out of the COVID uh, pandemic, which was surprising, but it was because they had really cut expenses dramatically because they were concerned about, they didn't know what kind of football revenue they were going to have that year. Uh, that was actually, it was fiscal year 2021, but it was for the 2020 football season when they didn't know if they would have a football season. So they cut expenses. They they gave pay cuts across the board. If you remember, Mike Norvell took a 20 or 25% pay cut. All the coaches did, all the staff did. So last year when they got this, they had a surplus, they actually went and took a lot of that money and gave it back to people and made people whole. So in the people in, in across the athletic department that had lost money because of the pandemic and pay cuts actually got their money back uh, last year when, when this surplus came in. So, you know, sometimes there's money that can actually be used to some things for some things, but a lot of times the money's already kind of allocated. How much credit does David Coburn get for this number, Ira? Uh, I mean, half, um, I think it was half the year, um, you know, it's, it's, so it's fiscal year 2022. So it went through last summer, um, which would have been you know, half the year. Well, 
Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. It would have been through the last summer. It started the summer before. So the first half of the year would have been David Coburn. Second half of the year would have been Michael Alford. Um, and, you know, look, there that is one thing I would say. There's no question. You know, if David Coburn, when he was the athletic director, the reason, you know, uh, John Thrasher put him in that position was to try to get things back in order financially because Florida State had been kind of uh, overextended a little bit. And so, yeah, David Coburn put a lot of things in to try to cut costs. Um, I don't think that's going to be Michael Alford's MO. He's much more of a, um, you know, let's invest, let's make things bigger and better and bolder. Um, so I don't know that uh, maybe maybe surplus will be tougher to come by. But also, um, you know, if you have more success, you know, a lot of people, when we put out this story, people automatically assume it's a result of last season being successful. But those numbers won't show up until next year. This is really for from from the year before. And the numbers that show up next year, right, Ira, will include the 50 on off-field assistants they hired. So, you know, they, they'll make more money, but they're spending more money. And I guess that's my – it's not my issue with this because that makes it sound like it's I have a, a, a negative viewpoint on these numbers being announced. It's just that, like, in the NFL, in the NBA, you know what a franchise made. You know what they brought in. You know what went out. They have a salary cap, and you know their revenue. Here, but as you're talking about – whether it's fuzzy math or just the way people allocate what they bring in, we don't know what kind of, we don't really know how much of a surplus any of these schools have. Right. Like you said that Georgia, like somebody, uh, they allocated $6 million to some reserve fund. Right. Well, they can afford to do that. They're Georgia. You know what I mean? They can, that's awesome. That's like a really rich person just putting more and more money into a trust. So uh, is that, is, is there anything that would be gleaned, really gleaned, about where Florida State is in relation to the rest of the country or the rest of the conference even? Well, I mean, the reality is they all are just trying to – they're all spending what they make. You know, right. nobody's trying to yeah. put money away. Right. Um, you know, so, so you know, yeah. And there now there are a couple of things. I, I don't want to be totally misleading. You know, f- throughout the years, and I don't know where they're at right now, but throughout the years, Florida State – and a lot of athletic departments will give money back to the university. So like something that, um, you know, Florida State for a long time, they would give us like maybe a million dollars a year, $2 million a year, whatever, to the education, some education program to the university. It's kind of a good faith for <clears throat> being part of the university. When TK Weatherall was president, you know, everybody was so excited thinking that he was going to put all this money to athletics. He actually demanded that the, the boosters and athletics department give more money uh, to the university because the university was having some tough times financially at that time. So there's always stuff like that um, where, where money can be put into certain areas where uh, maybe to help the university or help other areas or, or perhaps put into reserve. But at the end of the day, really what's happening is they're all not only spending the money they make, they're spending the money they, they think they'll make. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not like running a profit like in a business right. or, or a pro sports team. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, I think when you look at Florida State, as you guys said, they're the the expenses are going to go up higher uh, because they're putting more and more into football with the idea that the revenues are going to get higher. You know, not like this past, um, you know, if they make a playoff appearance or things like that, if they have, you know, then licensing merchandise is going to go up and all these things are going to improve. The 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 big ticket thing, though, that and as I mentioned before, is you know, the one expense or the one revenue that they have no control over at all is TV and the conference distribution. And, and that's tied to the ACC. And, and yeah, like you said, $30 million is, is more than they used to get from the ACC. 
but it's still nowhere near what the SEC and Big Ten schools are getting, and that number is only going to increase. VitaminEnergy.com, promo code WordChamp, BOGO, B-O-G-O. Get your order in. You'll get an item of equal or lesser value for absolutely free. Florida State folks at the helm of VitaminEnergy.com. They're the ones that hook us up with this promo code. Vitamin Energy, what's it got, Corey? It's got up to seven hours of natural energy, more than seven hours with natural caffeine. The other ones can't say seven hours. Less than $1.46 per shot. Shoot, it's like less than $1.25 when you use the promo code. The other energy shots, other energy drinks can't say that. Packed with nourishing vitamins, yes. The other ones, no. Yummy taste, yes for vitamin energy. The rest of them, no. Can they say Mm. zero sugar? No artificial flavors, no. Can they say energy without jitters? No, but vitamin energy can. Shout out to my carpenter who came over this weekend for these projects, Corey. John. He's a gamer, video game guy. I gave him like, yeah, I'm like, hey, man, you like energy drinks? He's like, yeah, I'm like, try these things out. So I gave him like one of like the immune, one of the vitamin D, one of the sport plus. And my guy didn't read the packaging. He drank it before he played his video games, but he played his video games at like nine o'clock at night. He said he was up till 5 a.m. But he said he did really great at the video game. Nice. So, I mean, you can't have it all sometimes, but you can. Well, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. That is. Yeah. VitaminEnergy.com. Again, the promo code is WordChamp, BOGO, B-O-G-O. Natural caffeine energizing you throughout the day without the crash. Can't beat it. Give it a shot. VitaminEnergy.com. Promo code WordChant, B-O-G-O. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. NIL, you know, it's it, we have to talk about it. it's out there. It's a real thing, whether we like it or not, Ira. And, um, you know, kind of, you know, put me on the correct course on this. I, I thought, you know, Florida was was a pioneer. We were being innovators. Like we were trying to get ahead of the curve. Right. Like uh, Mackenzie Milton took to Twitter and demanded his MTV. He demanded his NIL. Uh, and when they it sounded like they maybe weren't going to do anything a year and a half ago or so to, to try to get some sort of guardrails put in place, the Florida legislature actually did step up and do it after, you know, public outcry from several athletes. But now we sit here at a place where I guess some of those guardrails uh, became more of uh, impediments to making this thing work. But if you're a Florida State fan, like what, what, why would we want NIL to change right now? It feels like Florida State's doing really well when it comes to that, but a, a new bill is going to hit a special session here. If you could just kind of walk us yeah. through, Ira, uh, why uh, Florida has the current law they have and, and why they're trying to get rid of it, I guess, why they see it being, a good idea to, to amend it, if you will. Yeah, just going back to the beginning. So, as you said, the NCAA was dragging their heels on whether or not they were going to allow NIL and p- kids to make money. So, Florida and some other states made it clear, like we're going to do it whether you want to or not. But because, but what the state didn't want to do when they when the state passed their law, and I guess you know two or three summers ago, they didn't want to do anything to jeopardize the schools from an NCAA compliance standpoint. So they put in a rule. Kids can now make money from NIL, but it does it, it shouldn't be fostered through the school. So kids have the right to do it if they're in the state of Florida, but they got to get their own deals and they got to get paid through those other people. And the school can't be part of it because I think they were trying to protect the universities from the NCAA coming down later and saying, OK, you're allowed to do it in your state, but it's a, a violation of our policies. So now you're on probation. Well, then 
a couple months later, a month later, whatever it was, the NCAA said, all right, fine. Cause all these States, Florida and California, all these States are doing it. We're going to make it free to everybody. Go ahead and do it. You can do whatever you want. The only caveat is you can't break your state rules. Well, these States that put in the rules that your schools can be involved with it. Now we're kind of behind everybody else because they have these rules. So other States like Alabama and some of the other States went back next last year as you said, and and got rid of that policy or revamped their, their legislation. Florida, uh, the legislators put through a bill to try to do that last year to take that part out so the schools could be part of it. But the leadership in the, in the Florida Senate and House didn't want to take it up. They had too much other stuff going on. They didn't really care. And the part I didn't really, really understand until I did a, a show recently, a video with uh, Peter Schoenthal, who's in that space. Mm-hmm. And one thing he explained to me was, it really didn't matter. It, it was it was a perceived problem in the state of Florida because um, the schools couldn't be a part of it. And it was a little bit of a hindrance, but it wasn't a huge problem because the reality was, and he made this point, and I think it's true, it's not like the state of Florida was going to come crack down on, they were going to like arrest Mike Norvell if, if somebody on his staff did something with NIL. So really now, you know, it was kind of, it was, it was, it was, it was there, it could be seen as a hindrance, but it really didn't matter. It didn't really mean anything. So that's why the state didn't really put make a big push to change it last year, or the schools didn't demand that they change it last year. What's happened since then, though, is two things. One is in October, the NCAA put out a new guidance that says it's now okay for schools to have partnerships with these NIL collectives. So before that, nobody knew. Like, Rising Spear started. Remember how everything had to be totally separate with Rising Spear and, and, and the school couldn't even acknowledge them. And Mike Norvell couldn't tell the recruits to go talk to the Rising Spear people. When they came out in October, the NCAA said, okay, it's fine. You can meet with the, your collectives. You can even recommend your collectives. You can't, you can't go get money and give it directly to the collective, but it's okay for the coaches or the ADs to come out and say, this is the collective we like. If you want to support us, you want to support them. So now that now that is a problem for Florida because these other schools are doing that. Like I just watched a video with Pitts AD doing one where she did like a press conference with their collective, asking everybody to support their collective. Um, you're seeing it now at other schools in other states where I think, uh, uh, shoot, I can't remember what school it was the other day, just came out. Oh, it was Alabama just came out and said, this is the collective we support. And there's another collective that's been out there for two years that they're not the ones that Alabama is endorsing. (laughs) It's this other brand new one. So that's kind of what's going to happen now. And, but in Florida, you know, technically you still can't do that. So that's where, but the good thing about it and what Peter Schoenthal talked about in that video that people can find on our war channel TV channel is now the collectives can, can have some, or now the schools have some power because of a collective and it, you know, kind of touches on the Jaden Rashada situation, which is probably the other part of this. Now the school could kind of shut out a collective if they want to. So say a collective does something that messes them up. They, the school now can come out and say, you know what, we're not dealing with that collective anymore. So don't give them money. And so now, but, but Florida needs to change their law so that the state schools can, can do that like everybody else. I don't know if that makes sense. It's, yeah. I know it's a lot of stuff, but that's kind of, that's kind of where we're at. I followed it. It just it's crazy to me because you know the state of Florida you got probably the the most freewheeling, highest spending 
uh, NIL collective or at least person when it comes to John Ruiz in Miami. Florida State is one of the best ranked classes when it comes to the transfer portal. And then you've got the University of Florida just kind of floating along rudderless. And it's I don't know how much of this, the Jaden Rashad thing is kind of maybe the impetus for some of this to, to hit the floor. But uh, I don't know how many Miami fans are complaining about the way NIL's been NIL's been regulated. I know Florida State fans really haven't. Can that, Ira, can that, the $10 million surplus, can Florida State <laughs> funnel some of that to their NILs? I mean, they, I, they, they're they, they're allowed to be in business with them now. They, they cannot. They cannot. They can fundraise oh, man, for what? them. They can fundraise for them, but they okay. can't directly give them the money. But, you know, and, you know, the thing of the Rashada situation, you know, the, the, the rumor out there, kind of one of the rumors out there was that, like, you know, when Miami's collective promised him as much money as they collected, they pr- promised him there's talk that maybe Cristobal didn't think that was a great idea. And then Florida came in and was like, hold my beer and get offered even more. Their collector had offered even more. And I, again, I don't know that, that, you know, Napier thought it was a good idea. You know what I'm saying? Like because before this guidance from the NCAA in October, the coaches and really didn't have a whole lot of, you know, power you know, Florida State kind of was lucky to one degree. Rising Spears was has always been very – it's in a good thing and a bad thing. They have not been the kind of make the big splashes that some of these other schools have done and try to, like, lure these big recruits. But the – so that was criticized by a lot of fans. But on the positive was they didn't get in these situations where Mike Norvell's like, why are you promising this kid all this money? We, You know, that is, that's not – that kid doesn't mean that much to us. So now – you know, with this law in place and when Florida, and from what I understand, you know, I was talking to somebody at FSU uh, over the weekend after I posted that story on Friday, they said that um, everybody's on board with this, like the governor, every, it's, this thing is going to pass. They are doing a special session this week. The legislature was supposed to come later um, and uh, in the regular session, but they're actually going to do it pretty, pretty soon. And apparently it's, it's, it's greased as much as it could be. And it's definitely going to happen. And now, um, you know, again, the, the coaches and the administrations will have more power uh, in the NIL. At the end of the day, though, like you said, I mean, the money is the most important thing. So, you know, Florida State's kind of been very fortunate. This battle's end group has stepped up with all that money. Um, you know, Miami's got Ruiz. You know, I don't know that Florida has anything waiting, waiting in the wings uh, or not. But at least they won't have the debate over who's green lighting the deals, um, as it was with that Rashada case. That's managing editor Iris Schofel. You can listen to him on Seminole Headlines Tuesdays alongside Jeff Cameron and Corey Clark, 1 to 3 o'clock. Oh, and don't forget Monday Night Smash, Aslan. You, the way you promoted that at the beginning, don't 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 let people forget about that. He, well, he's already hyped it up so much that <laughs> that's true. It's he doesn't point. want to overwhelm him. Yeah, that's a good point. That's Ira, everybody. Ira, thanks so much. Thanks, guys. You asked for it, they listened. MyBookie has designed a unique deposit bonus that lets you cash in and cash out quick. A unique deposit bonus for sports bettors who want to focus on what to bet and not a payout sweat. Make your first deposit today. Use the promo code WARCHANT. Wager your deposit amount once, and then you're eligible to cash out. If you want a sportsbook that gives you the most for your money, bet on the big game over at MyBookie. Pre-game, live line, Super Bowl props, bet everything from the opening coin toss, the length of the national anthem. We've talked about all these things that are available over at MyBookie. I can't tell you who's going to win the Super Bowl, but I can tell you where we're going to place our bets. MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere over at MyBookie.ag. Again, use that promo code WARCHANT for your deposit bonus. The Knowles. Winning on the road, Corey. 
Um, the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde aspect, mm-hmm. I don't know how much of that's to play or just simply that maybe Louisville is not a very solid f- basketball program right now. What did you take away from Saturday's victory for Leonard Hamilton and the boys? Uh, not much. Uh, no, Louisville's awful. That, that was that was a two not very good basketball teams playing each other. Um, Florida State almost blew a 15-point second half to lead to the worst Louisville team of all time. Uh, but what what I thought was – but they won, so credit to them. That's six wins now. I guess it's never easy to win on the road in the ACC, although that's a horrible Louisville team. But I thought it was amusing, and I tweeted this during the game. Jason Williams – or Jay Williams, I guess he goes by now, the former Duke guard that uh, got hurt in a motorcycle accident, but he was like the number two pick in the draft. He was awesome. Um, he uh, he was doing the game, and uh, he was ta- – the whole broadcast was about Louisville's problems and like Kenny Payne – you can't fire him after one year, but look at this. Look how Florida State always huddles together on a dead ball. And the Louisville guys never talk. They never huddle. And look at this Look at this defensive lapses here. Look how he's just standing there as, the, as he gets blown by. Or, or he, there's no rotation. He's not even looking. Like, these are the problems. He's got to coach some of this out of this. He's got to get this kind of stuff out of his program. And I'm, like, standing in my living room, jumping up and down. Like, what about the other team that's 7-16? and 16? Like, it's not like there's only one proud program in this game. Leonard Hamilton's done some things at Florida State. Florida State's a good, Florida State's been a better basketball program than Louisville the last half decade. Why aren't we talking about their issues? What's wrong with them? But it was all about, and I guess it might have been because Florida State was ahead the whole time, like seemingly comfortably by like 10 or 12 points until they, you know, somehow give up a 17 2 run. But it was, that's what I want. I wanted some people to really acknowledge. What we're seeing, which is a horrible defensive team that allows open three after open three after open three to anyone, um, and it never changes. And you know, and and again, I'm not I'm not sitting here talking about you know Leonard and they won the game, so again that was great. But I'm not sitting here saying Leonard Hamilton should be fired. That's not going to happen, or that even he should retire at the end of the year. I'm not saying that or wishing that, but. There's something fundamentally wrong with his program right now. They're eight and sixteen. Two of their wins over Louisville, um, and one was a game they blew a they blew a they really did blow a fifteen point lead. And then credit to them for um, surviving a wide open three at the end uh, to to win that game. And there are some nice players on this team. Matthew Cleveland, I thought, had his best game in a while. Um, but it's really hard to judge because it was Louisville. I'm just again more than anything, I'm frustrated slash saddened. That this is what I, you know, again, I remember three years ago when they played Louisville and we did a, uh, you and I did a video from there afterwards. We might have recorded the podcast after that game, mm. the Trent Forrest dunk on Jordan yeah, Wara, yeah. the Patrick Williams dunk. I mean, that was, that was almost three years ago, like not quite two years and 11 months and two weeks ago. And that's the most electric loudest that I think that arena has ever been. I think that was the, probably the pinnacle of the Leonard Hamilton tenure at Florida state. Because that team was going to be a two seed. They were fifth in the country. Um, they had just beat Louisville by double digits on their home court. Louisville was a top 10 team. Like, and to juxtapose that to where we are now three years later, where Louisville can barely field a Division One basketball team, and Florida State struggles to beat it. Um, that, that, after what happened uh, against Miami uh, the, the week before. That just, or sorry, the game before. It's just, you know, again. No, I guess it was Clemson. And then, so they lost to Clemson, and then they came back and, and won the game, which is good, but I just didn't take a lot out of it because I was so dismayed with the defensive effort again. They just they aren't good defensively um, at all. I, I don't know if it's effort. 
I don't think it's necessarily effort. I think it's scheme. But either way, uh, they are three. I think they're like 310th in the country in scoring defense. Louisville's 315th. Uh, I think Florida State's 320th in three-point percentage defense in the country. I mean, those are embarrassing numbers. And it's been a pretty gross season. I just hope they can uh, – they're not going to come out of it this year, but maybe they come out of it uh, – uh, uh, next year and get some portal guys and, and find a way to help send Leonard out on top or at least more clo closer to the top than this. Uh, glad to see things could be redeemed over in Durham uh, for the Duke basketball program. Uh, their men were able to take out Carolina mm. first clash yeah. of Shire versus uh, old Hubert there. Uh, what's going on with their women's basketball team? Poor sports. What, what's with the, what's with the Duke basketball, the women's basketball team trying to, uh, throw accusations, false accusations, without merit, erroneous statements uh, to Coach Brooke and the women's basketball team, Corey. Yeah, it was just an odd, the whole thing was odd. So the people that don't know, because um, it wasn't, it didn't dominate for long, uh, the news cycle. I mean, we had a balloon floating over the country. So people weren't too worried about a, a women's basketball controversy. But yeah, after the game Thursday night, after they Duke beat somebody on Thursday night, and Carol Lawson, who's the coach there, talked about the win and then talked about the previous Sunday game at the Civic Center against Florida State where they lost. And she said for the first half they played with a men's ball. And then they switched to a women's ball. It didn't seem like she was blaming Brooke. Um, in, in the, the, but clearly she was upset about something. And it just seems – And so anyway, the ACC didn't say – they did their investigation and had that statement out you know, early Friday morning saying, nope, we looked into this. This is not true. This is erroneous. Uh, we we did an investigation. We find no evidence of this that, that happened at all. But she said that she had players complaining about the size of the ball throughout the first half, and then they finally switched to the women's ball in the second half. And both teams did shoot better in the second half, but they still got outscored in the second half too. Um, so she, I don't think she was blaming the ball on why they lost. Uh -huh. She was more making a comment on women's basketball as a, at a, as a whole and uh -huh. saying something like this would never happen in the men's game. They wouldn't accidentally play with a women's ball. Although it'd be cool if Florida State shot with one for one game just to see what it looked like. For the people that don't know, women's ball is a slightly smaller. Which, by the way, what are we doing? Why is a women's ball slightly smaller? Well, you know, just they're not 6'9". Not all of them are 6'9", 6'10", 6'6". Most men aren't 6'9", either. But when I go out and play, or my son goes out and plays a pickup game, he's playing with a regulation... NBA yeah, college basketball true. ball. That's a good point. That's a good point. Why, why, look, women have come very far in this country as athletes. They are taken very seriously, and they get a lot of their they get a lot of their sports on TV. Um, they they get a lot of attention. They're, the Big Ten sells out for their women's basketball games. I mean, they do really do. Notre Dame, uh, you know, Louisville had a good crowd for their game on Sunday. What are we? Are they too dainty? Is that the thing? I mean, I know their hands are a little bit smaller, but I feel like they would. We're talking about literally. I think it's one inch of circumference and two ounces of weight is the difference. Or vice versa, two, two, two inches of circumference and one ounce of weight. But I feel like they can, they can adjust. It just seems odd. It seems, again, like, uh, oh, poor, poor little girl patting them on the head. Like, we're going to make the ball a little smaller for you guys. Like, it seems like 1950s thinking. Well, that's when and it we're started. we're in 2023. Yeah, I, guess, I mean, no one well, changes. Well, sure, but we're in 2023. No one There changes, shouldn't be a difference in no men's and women's balls. No one changes their ball. Like, they don't, only you guys in baseball, you start juicing it. But, like, they've, they haven't changed a football. Um, but when women's tennis players don't play with a different size ball than men's tennis players. 
The soccer ball is the same. What men's soccer and women's soccer? I think I'm I might be completely wrong there. I mean, when a woman runs a hundred meter dash, she's running the same distance as the man. All right. But for basketball, hey, hey, little guys, here's a smaller little ball, so you can you can somehow get it towards the rim. Like it just seems patronizing, and, and it seems like a 1950s outlook. And women are great athletes. Let them. Let's all have a universal ball. In this, hey, we never have a controversy like this again, do we, Aslan? No. If they're all playing with the same ball, people will be like, "What's a women's ball? What does that even mean?" Take that stuff back to the 60s, sexist. But anyway, uh, apparently it was not much ado about nothing. They said that uh, there was no there there. They did play with the the ACC anyway. Said they did play with the right ball. And also, if you're convinced, absolutely convinced, you're playing with the wrong ball because that is a difference now. I've shot with a women's ball. You can feel the difference a little bit. So if you really are playing with it and you're and you're and you know it's a men's ball, you don't take the court until they get you the right ball. You don't just like why not adjust at the end of the first quarter? Why did it take till halftime? Did did somebody say something? And why, if you said something, did you not say something till halftime? If your players were telling you you're playing with the wrong ball, I feel like the first TV timeout, you're like, hey. This is the wrong ball. Go get me a women's ball. Let's compare it, and let's see. And if it is the wrong ball, roll that off the court, and let's start playing. It just seems odd that, it. number one, you wouldn't say anything about it after the game, but then you would wait four, five days later, and you wouldn't say something immediately um, and, and make them play with the right ball. So, I, you know, who knows, man? Who knows? Man, it's fun, this, though. It's something to talk yeah, about in uh, early yeah, February. This 25-minute show is now like 45 minutes, so we – we did all right for a Monday, Corey. That's a wrap for us. Hey, man, uh, I tried my best. I, hey, guys, you're welcome. You're welcome. I tried. Get, hey, don't get me started on uh, on the sexist women's uh, sports ideals of the 1950s yeah, and 60s. Seriously. Remember they used to play three-on-three three half court? Remember they, oh, that, these, why, why do they make them play four quarters, Corey? How come they don't play two halves like the guys, huh? You know what? The, the men's I'm college kidding, basketball, but literally, though, men's college basketball is the only basketball league in on earth, on the planet earth, that doesn't do quarters. Yeah. Like all all rec league teams are quarters. NBA, Olympics, international, yeah. women, middle school. It's all quarters except for one level of basketball. So, but I don't know. It's a good point. Good question. I, I, they, they changed it a few years ago. They can change. So give them bigger balls, gang. It's a good one to go. If I can good change on. and you can change, <laughs> right. we can all change. All right, come back tomorrow. We're going to hang out with Derek Nottie on the pod, and we'll uh, figure out some other stuff to talk about to give you guys a full show. Jeff Cameron Show, coming up 1 to 3 o'clock. Check it out. For Corey, I'm Aslan, and for Ira, we thank you all for listening to Wake Up Board Champ, presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill.